Hey everybody, this is Pastor Micah. What you're about to listen to is a really amazing message from Pastor Lee Armstrong. He was here at our Boswell campus on Sunday, May 31st, and he was preaching to us that morning about biblical emotion and particularly biblical joy and what our perspective as believers is to be when it comes to to such things as joy in God's kingdom, particularly seeing it from a kingdom mindset. Unfortunately, we were not able to record the intro of his message, so it picks up a little bit abruptly as he's already started his preaching, but I know that whatever you're able to catch from this, uh, which we got most of it, is really going to be a blessing to you. So please enjoy Pastor Lee Armstrong. God clothe the flowers, the lilies of the valleys. Won't he, won't he clothe you? Doesn't he feed the birds? They don't, they don't even work. And he feeds them. And he says, if God takes care of them, why are you worried? It's a great statement. And a lot of Christians have forgot that God really does care about us more than he does the birds, more than he does the flowers. We're going to start reading in verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is so filled with so much positive things for you and I. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, all these things the Gentiles seek, but he didn't leave it there. He says, and your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. See, it's not like God is saying you shouldn't wear clothes and you shouldn't eat. He's saying that's what the Gentiles seek after. And your heavenly father knows you need those things. He will take care of those things. Worry is not trusting God to supply our needs. Now, thank you for your thunderous amen. I'll, it's okay. You'll get out of this message exactly what you put into it. That's the truth. One of the things I find about the body of Christ is they think God is a demander and a commander instead of the supplier. God is the great provider God never asks you to do anything he doesn't give you the ability to do. You know, he tells us to love one another. He says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then he pushes the envelope. He said, you're supposed to even love your enemies, right? But he doesn't just say, just love your enemies. The scripture says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So he gives us the very thing we need to do what he asks us to do. So God is the great supplier. And we have to realize that in this day and time, 
that people are worried about what they're going to eat. They're worried about going back to work. They're worried about all these things. And all that worry is doing for them is causing their emotions to go south. Now, I'm an equal opportunity critic. I'm going to step on every toe here before I'm done. But that's okay. I'll step on mine too. Remember, this message came to me first. The body of Christ is listening to the news more than they're listening to God. And that creates an emotional response that is not to our benefit. To whom you yield your members. If you yield the emotion of anger to the enemy, you will hate the wrong things. Now, I don't know if you read your Bible, but God actually hates some things. But God hates different things than we hate. And we need to know that there are some things God hates for a reason. And if we yield our anger, did you know the Bible doesn't say don't be angry? The Bible actually says the opposite. Be ye angry. And then it says this, and sin not. That's, that's the part we mess up. It's because we yield our anger to the wrong thing. If you're not angry about injustice, you'll never do anything about it. If you're not angry about always having debt and never being able to, to do things, you will never save money. You have to get angry enough about things to make a difference. But it's to whom you yield that anger. Can I, can I ask you to write something down and just meditate on it? This is going to be a new thought for you. All sin is trying to fill a God-shaped void outside of God's way. Every sin you can think of is trying to fill a need that God put in mankind, but it's trying to fill that need outside of God's way. You guys heard a message on joy, or maybe even a couple messages on joy. Did you know God wants you to enjoy life? God wants you to enjoy your marriage. I got news for you. God wants you to enjoy your children at every age. Right? Think about it. I have had kids, and they're all grown up, and now I have kids of their own. And I never said to myself, when they get 12, I'll enjoy them. Or when they get, a lot of parents think, well, when they can talk, I'll really enjoy them. <laughs> Let's see how that works for you. No, no, no. You enjoy your children because they're a gift from God. But you have to think on the right things. I understand why some spiders eat their young. I get it. If you yield your emotions to the wrong things, that's the kind of thinking that you'll have. God says to us in his word, I know you have need of these things. Don't worry about that. But he doesn't leave you there. He said, instead of worrying, here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Did you know, as a Christian, you're a part of a kingdom who has a king. And he says, I'll give you all the things that the world is looking for. Just don't look for it the way the world does. What I want you to do, I'll give you everything. I'll give you food. I'll give you clothes. I'll make sure you have a place to stay. Don't worry. Instead of seeking after it the way the Gentiles do, the lost, those outside of the family of God, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, now let me just give you some examples. Because I want to show you 
When you yield your members to the Lord, you'll find the joy that you're actually looking for. Joy isn't in a motorcycle. I've had them and not had them, and I've had joy the whole time. Joy is not in a person. Listen, the place of joy isn't people, places, or things. Now, God can use them, but they're not the source. Okay, let me just pick on me because I can handle it. My wife is here sitting on the front row. We have a great relationship. I love my wife. I love her going with me. She loves going where we go. And my wife brings me joy, but she is not the source of my joy. Because if she was, what happens when she's not happy with me? Oh, because I can bear witness, she is not always happy with me. Now, maybe your wife is always happy with you, but probably not. My kids, they bring me joy, but they're not the source of my joy. When I didn't buy them the new $300 pair of shoes, they were not happy with me. I'm like, $300 for tennis shoes? I don't want stock in the company. I'm okay with a pair of $20 Walmarts, right? So they weren't happy with me when I didn't buy them the latest things or whatever, but they got over it. My point is they can't be the source. God is your source. God can use those things, but they can't be the source, or you'll end up not enjoying the life God has for you. Now, let me just pick a few things and show you how when you yield to the kingdom, because the kingdom has certain actions and attitudes that are a part of this kingdom and this kingdom alone. And when you as a Christian yield to the kingdom of God, you will find the joy that you're looking for. Let me ask you to think about, because all of you will have a different story, let me ask you to think about a time that you did something out of your heart to help someone else knowing they couldn't do anything back. You, you, you mowed their lawn. You, you filled up their car with gas. You bought their meal. You, you went over and, and uh, prayed for them or brought them groceries. I mean, I could pick a hundred different things. When you did it, though, knowing I'm, I just feel led to do this, I'm going to go give this knowing they cannot do anything for me in return. When you did that, how many of you walked away from, from that experience and went, I'll never do that again. That was terrible. That was awful. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I did that. No, every person here, to a person, if you are honest, when you have done what's a part of the kingdom, which is called serving, we are called to serve. When we serve, looking for nothing in return, the response of that is joy. Why? It's a kingdom principle. Go ahead. One clap, let's all clap. Otherwise, it's not worth it. See, we want to have joy, but we're trying to go about it the world's way, and it fluctuates so bad because we're kingdom people. And when you do acts of the kingdom, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. When you realize you're a part of the kingdom and you do what's in the kingdom, you will find the joy that you are looking for. I can't tell you, I, my job entails that I go to the hospital and pray for people. My job entails that I help people through the loss of a loved one. And I don't ever get up in the morning and look forward to those things. But what amazes me 
is when I go to pray for somebody at the hospital, I'm the one that walks away blessed. They're grateful I came. They're thankful. Oh, pastor, thank you for coming. But I'm the one that's like, no, I feel great. Why is that? Because that's how the kingdom works. If you will walk in kingdom principles, you will have the joy that you are looking for. You will have the peace that you are looking for. That's not in my notes, but Romans 14, 17 says this. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, those things aren't in, in order of importance, but they are sequential. I believe this, and I think you'll find it to be true if you'll just think about it for a minute. That joy is a byproduct of having peace, and peace is a byproduct of knowing you are righteous. Think about it a second. When you began to understand that you were made right by someone else's actions, not by your own, Romans 6 tells us that by one man's sin, all were made sinners. You were born into this world a sinner. Nobody had to teach you to sin. Your children will sin before they even know how to spell the word. Your children will lie before they even know what lying is. Your children will blame before they even know what blame is. Little Billy is told by mommy, don't you eat any chocolate chip cookies. She leaves the room, comes back. Little Billy's got chocolate chips on his lips and on his chin, and he's wiping away the evidence. Billy, did you eat that cookie? He'll lie. No. The evidence is everywhere. He's still got crumbs. Then he'll blame. Sissy had one first. It's that woman you gave me. It's that all over again. You do not have to teach children of sin. They are born that way. They were made that way by somebody else's sin. That's Adam. But the scripture says by one man's obedience, that's Jesus Christ. We've all been made righteous. When you understand righteousness by faith, life changes. Life changes. Amen. Let, let me help you all out. <laughs> this is going to blow you all away. Some of you think I'm up here because I sin less than you. You better hope that's true, but that's not why I'm up here. I'm not up here because I'm better. I'm up here because I said yes. You talk about gifts. I have a gift. My gift is the gift of gab. I know how to talk. I love talking. I talk when nobody's listening. And I use that gift for the kingdom. And when I do, I feel his pleasure. Y'all ever seen Chariots of Fire? It's a great show. There's that one line where his sister's asking him about, you know, she thinks he's forgot he's a missionary because he's running. And he ends up running for the Olympics and, and winning for the United States. But she's all wore out. And so she meets him outside of the church and he's telling her, God made me for a purpose. And that purpose is China. And she gets all smiley face. He said, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Every time I hear that line, I want to go run. It's the Rocky song for me, man. I go run. When I teach, I feel his pleasure because I'm a part of a kingdom. And when I flow in the gift that God has given me, I feel his pleasure. Where do you feel God's pleasure? 
Where, what lights you up? What, what makes time fly for you? Those are things you need to be paying attention to. We're a part of a kingdom. And when we walk in kingdom principles, we find the very thing we're looking for. And when you understand righteousness by faith, you know what it leads to? Peace. I no longer feel I have to earn my way to God. I no longer have to feel the pressure of, am I doing better than this guy or that guy or comparing myself to another? When I understand I've been made righteous by the, what Jesus did for me, I have peace in my heart. I can serve God and not be worried about how good I'm doing because he did all the good for me and all I have to do is walk in that. So it brings me to peace. And when I have peace, the reflection and, and uh, outcoming of peace is I have joy. I'm, I'm okay. I can enjoy life now because I'm not worried about, am I doing everything right? Too many Christians are trying to not sin, and because they're trying to not sin, they actually sin. Okay, you act like you got that. Can you get me my water? I didn't think I was going to need it, but I might have to baptize somebody here in a second. So. First Corinthians 15.56 says this, The strength of sin is the law. And when you try to say no to something, you actually give it power. That's why the old uh, advertisements from the Reagans that said, just, just say no to drugs didn't work. Because when you try to say no to a thing, you create a law in your mind. And that law now pushes you towards the very thing you didn't want to do. See this water? Don't look at it. No, don't look at it. Now, you're trying hard not to look at it. You're looking at me, but you can see that thing out of the corner of your eye, and it's wearing you out. Why? Because the law, it's a silly law. It's a made-up law. Nobody's going to arrest you for looking at the water. I'm sure you all came to church today with this struggle in your heart. Oh, my God, I hope, hope he doesn't ask me to not look at water because I've been struggling with looking at water all weekend long. No. When you understand you've been made right by Jesus, not by your own works, you have peace. And when you have peace, well, the result of that is joy. I'm not struggling because I'm already made right by God. He already receives me unconditionally. So when we walk in the kingdom and we do the things that are of the kingdom, we have the very thing we're actually seeking. The world is actually seeking the same thing. They just don't know that it's fulfilled in God. They're trying to find joy in alcohol, and it's not there. They feel happy for a couple hours, and they wake up, and they still have the same problem, and a few dollars less. Okay. Have you noticed how enamored we are with marijuana these days? Have you looked at all the things that you can use as an excuse to smoke now? If you're stressed, oh, I need some. If you're depressed, oh, I need some. If you have struggles, oh, I need, I mean, <laughs> it's called life outside of the garden. But they're trying to do, they're trying to have what God wants them to have outside of God's way. That's why it's sin. 
That's why it'll never work. That's why it will never fulfill. Because you weren't created for that. I loved our worship today. Now think about worship. When you truly worship and don't just sing the words, because you can do that, I can do that, I've done it, I'm not casting stones here, but when you actually desire to worship God and be thankful and you lift up holy hands without doubt, without wrath, some of you have doubt, some of you have wrath, this was number one. Um, <laughs> when you worship and you enter in and it becomes one of those experiences where you encounter God, everything on the inside of you knows this is what I was created for. That's why it fits you well. Let me tell you something about worship. The best worship you can have is when you don't want to. It's called a sacrifice of praise. It's easy to praise God when you got money in the bank. It's easy to praise God when you have your health. It's easy to praise God when your kids are obedient. But I have kids, and they will find the most inopportune time to act up and to say a word they heard for the first time yesterday. They don't even know what it means, and they'll say it in front of the preacher. Have you ever come to church and you didn't want to praise? I have. I've come to church, have an attitude, not want to praise, but I know I need to because my sour attitude is yielding my emotions to the wrong thing. And so I lift up my hands. I don't want to but I lift up my hands because he's worthy. And it's what kingdom people do. And as I begin to yield to that, the music starts penetrating my soul and my emotions start lining up. I start feeling myself. When you worship, you take on the characteristics of a kingdom individual. That's why it works. That's why the enemy wants to talk you out of it. That's why the enemy tries to keep you from it. You know what's sad, saints, and I'm just, again, I, I told you I was going to pick on everybody. What's sad is many, many Christians know the words to 50 secular songs or the majority of the words to 50 secular songs, but can't sing the words to five Christian songs. And then we wonder why worship isn't working for us. Okay. Second okay. Corinthians 3.18, write it down. We all with open faces behold as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory. That's a nice way of saying you will become what you behold. The people who read the Bible and are looking at the law become legalistic. Why? What you behold is what you become. The people who look at Christ become Christians. What you behold is what you become. 
Our world is enamored with the news, and they are becoming the very thing they're beholding. It's not even really their fault. They don't know any better, but we should. We've been taught better. If all you're listening to is the news, or the majority of what you're listening to is the news, you can't help but be a little more fearful than you should be. Because what amazes me is the news will do a, let's say, 55-minute news thing without the transitions and all that. And in that 55 minutes, they will give you 50 negative things and then one positive. And expect you to be okay. But it's a proven fact. The psychologist will tell you for every bad thing and every bad situation in your life, you'll need six to seven good things to counteract the bad. So what happens when you have 50 negative things and one positive? How many positive things are you going to have to have before you're even at level again, let alone ahead of the game? Are you saying we shouldn't watch the news? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But if you do, do it in moderation. You may need to know what's going on. I mean, like who's president, that kind of stuff. I don't watch the news as a whole. I listen to enough to know about my world. But my world is messed up. And our world is filled with fear, which is why the scripture means so much to me. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you seek God and his righteousness, all the things that we're looking for, you know, we actually want clothes, we actually want food, we actually want a place to stay so we can enjoy the life God has given us. God didn't rebuke us for that. He just said, don't seek after that first. Seek me first. Why? Because when you seek God first and his righteousness, you have the things. He said, I know you have need of those things. I'll get them to you. Just don't let them be the driving force. How many people are miserable today because they've made making money the goal? Okay. I had five people say amen. That means the rest of us are after money. <laughs> people, people come to my office all the time, and, and they tell me something like this. I, I just want to be successful. Okay. What does that look like for you? Well, I, I want my business to make enough money. I won't have to worry about money anymore. First off, I don't know if there ever is such a thing. Because I know multimillionaires who are absolutely miserable because they don't know if their wife loves them for who they are or for their money. They don't know if they have friends for who they are or because they have money. They're miserable. Money's not going to give you what you're looking for. So I tell them, okay, let's just say your business makes a million dollars this year and you don't have to worry about money. If your business makes a million dollars but your wife hates you, are you a success? Thank you. That all the wives said no. The men were like, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's not a good thing. When we seek the kingdom and we put God first, some of you are created to make money because poor people don't send people on mission trips. 
Poor people don't build hospitals in Africa and other places. Poor people can't afford to help the church build a new youth sanctuary, whatever they're looking for. It is people who have money who can do those things. So money is not the issue. Attitude is the issue. Is it the thing you're seeking? Because God needs people with money to help promote the kingdom of God. That's why he says, just seek me first. I, I have great relationships with some people who have lots of money. And those people are the most giving individuals I've ever met in my life. And God continues to give to them. Why? Because they're seeking God first. Because they're not holding on to it. Oh, I finally made $1,000. They're willing to give it away. And then God gives them 10000 And they give it away. And God gives them 100000 Because their heart is for the kingdom, they have the joy that the world is looking for in the wrong places. <laughs> Those of you that know me know I do not like country music. And God just out of a joke put me in the South. And everybody I'm connected to loves country music. And so I'm constantly bombarded. But there's this song. I don't even know who, who sings it, but um, looking for love in all the wrong places. Christians made that song popular. Because we're asking God, God, if you love me, why did this happen? If you love me, why don't I have this money? If you loved me, why did I lose my job? If you love me, why did this person leave me? If we're looking for love in all the wrong places, the Bible is very, very clear. And if you're a student of the kingdom, love is found at the cross. If you want to see the love of God, you look at the cross. This is the price God paid for you to know how much he valued you. He gave the most important thing heaven and earth had to offer to say, never underestimate my love for you. I gave my son so you would know I loved you. And the enemy's attack is trying to get your emotions to be looking at all the things that aren't instead of what is. Okay, let me explain. I never let what I don't understand affect what I do understand. See, I was raised heathen. Meaning, we didn't go to church. My dad said he was a Baptist. My mom said she was a Catholic. I'm not even sure we had a Bible in our house. So when I got saved, I didn't have any religious background. I was told at the time, read the red and pray for the power. So I did. And in three months, I had church in my home. And people were getting saved, and people were getting baptized, and people were getting healed. Marriages were putting back together. I, I, I believed God's word, right? I, I wouldn't recommend that, by the way. Uh, it's not how you should start a church, but I believed that God would use me. I believed that God was real. I didn't have a bunch of stuff to overcome. So when I read the word of God and his love for me, I just had a tendency to believe it. We say we believe God's love, but what's the thing that the enemy attacks every time you face trouble? If God loves you, why did that happen? Well, I never let what I don't understand affect what I do understand. You have a phone? Give me a phone. I promise I won't abuse it. Do you know what makes that work? Push the button. No, none of us know what makes that work. By the way, this is not a phone. This is a computer that does phone stuff. 
And you don't let what you don't know about this thing keep you from using it. You use it every day, having no idea what makes it work. Somebody programs something, and hey, you get to play SpongeBob or Angry Birds or whatever. It's no wonder we're an angry society. We have games that we call Angry Birds. And people are addicted to it. How many, how many of you women drove here today in a vehicle? What makes that vehicle work? The motor. What makes the motor work? A computer these days, yeah. See, women wouldn't drive a car if they knew what actually makes it work. What makes the engine work is explosions. Thousands of them a minute. You ask a woman, what makes your car work? The key. <laughs> Only in Christianity do we let what we don't know affect what we do know. I don't know why you lost your job. I don't know why that person left you. I don't know why this thing happened. But I don't let what I don't know affect what I do know. I know the word is clear. I'm a part of a kingdom that the king loves me. 1 John 4, if you know and believe the love that God has for you, your love is made mature. Your love is perfected. Amen. We need to know and believe the love that God has for us. Can I tell you another thing that's really, really hard to do, but when you do it because you're a servant of the king, you feel the joy of the Lord? Forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness is hard. If it was easy, I'd write a book and make a gazillion dollars. Forgiveness is hard. And I'm not just talking about forgiving your enemy. I'm talking about forgiving your wife, forgiving your kids, forgiving your neighbor whose dogs do their business in your yard. Some of you don't have a yard and dogs, evidently. Forgiveness is hard because forgiveness is divine. Forgiveness is an attitude of a kingdom servant. The world doesn't want to forgive. They want to blame. They want to justify. They want to make right. But when you forgive, you benefit. See, forgiveness is letting the captive free to understand you were the captive. You let somebody else dictate your attitude about life. You let somebody else steer you around. When you forgive, and I'll say this caveat, in time, you will experience the joy of the Lord. Forgiveness is like having a baby. It's very, very painful. But you come to the place, women, that you're ready to have another one. See, if it was up to men, we'd only have one child. If they had to go through the pain, we'd have one kid, and that'd be it. Forget it, that's too much pain. But in time, you forget the actual pain. You remembered it was painful, but you forget you no longer feel the actual pain and you're ready to move on and have another child. Forgiveness is that way. When you forgive, you may never forget it was painful, but you no longer feel the physical pain. So let me get, let me get to joy. Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Now, do you believe that? So if you were an enemy who wanted to attack and weaken his army, what would you do? Attack their joy. 
Get them to looking at something other than what God wants them to look at. Get them to thinking about other things than what God wants you to think about. Do you know when you have joy, you feel strong? Let me, let me, let's go back to some examples. Have you ever had a gathering of friends and you laugh so hard your stomach hurt? I mean, you belly laugh so hard, you stop. I can't breathe. Have you ever walked away from that and went, I ain't ever doing that again. That was terrible. Anybody? No. When you have that, you feel strong. You feel alive. So we have an enemy that's trying to steal that from us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When I do marriage counseling and I see people who are struggling in their marriage, I'll ask them this. When's the last time you went out on a date? He has to think about it. It's too long. Because when Ginger and I go out on a date, we go to have fun. We go to enjoy each other's company. A marriage that has joy can go to hell and back and come out stronger on the other side. A marriage that doesn't have joy, they'll argue about the toothpaste. The last three weeks, she squeezes, he rolls her all the way around. Until you get it fixed up, buy two tubes. It'll save your marriage. I don't think we actually believe this. I think we think joy is just something we can, should have every now and again, or that it's just out there. I believe the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I work hard to make sure I'm doing the things of the kingdom so I can have the joy that I'm supposed to have as a child of God. He wants me to enjoy today. Did you know that enjoying the day is a choice? Choose you this day whom you will serve. I choose to serve a God who wants me to enjoy my life. We, we let silly stuff steal our joy. Like we lose a piece of paper, we, we get angry. That's called money, by the way, but it's just a piece of paper. You find a piece of paper, you feel good. Somebody says, hey, I like your haircut. We feel great. Somebody says, what'd you do to your hair? We feel bad. We get all upset over a flat tire that's not going to make a difference 10 minutes from now when we should be dwelling on things that have eternal outcomes. Don't worry. The Lord knows you have need of these things. But seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Everybody here will testify, if you'll just think for a moment, every time you've obeyed God, Every time you've done what people of the kingdom are told in this word they do, you have the things that you're seeking. You have peace. You have joy. You have the things that we're all after. God says, I know you have need of those things. I'll make sure you get them. Just put me first. Fair enough? Fair enough. Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you get wet, it's because I'm baptizing you. Father, in the name of Jesus... I thank you for this great group of individuals. Lord, it wasn't but 200 years ago, this is how we had church all the time, family. I'm not saying we don't need children's church, and I'm not saying we don't need a youth group, but this is how we did church 200 years ago, family. This is your family, the family of God. We are a part of two families when we walk on this earth, our natural family and DNA and the family of God. And I thank you for this family.
that I'm connected to. I'm going to ask you to be real bold. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you this, because I don't know all of you. I see new faces, and I'm excited about it. If you're here, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible gives us this principle. You're outside of the family of God. That's all. God's trying to woo you into a family. God says he takes the lonely and puts them in families. So if you're here today and you're outside of the kingdom, I promise you, God is calling to you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand. I just want to know, and I won't wait long. All right. Then I have one more thing. If your eyes and your ears have been attentive to things other than the kingdom, and you felt the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the stress that the enemy's trying to put on you, but you really want the joy of the Lord, you really want the peace of God, you really want to enjoy the life God gave you, you want to be a witness to this world, you want to be light in the darkness. And you see that your attention has been on something other than what the Lord would want your attention to be on. I want you to be bold. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands so I can pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for honest hands. Thank you, Lord, for honest hands. You can put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, like telling the people not to look at the water, the strength of sin is the law. Instead of me telling your people to stop looking at that, I'm going to tell them what to say yes to. Father, we choose today to say yes to Jesus. And we choose to look at the thing that never changes, the Word of God. It's forever settled. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but your Word remains. Lord, instead of us listening to all of the secular music and listening to all of the secular news, Lord, I pray that we would just listen to you. That we would take the time to just worship because when we worship, you settle our hearts. When we pray, you settle our souls. When we seek you first and what you have to say, you tell us, be not afraid, only be strong and courageous for I am with you. I thank you, Father God, that we will walk away from this place today knowing you are with us and we have nothing to fear because even in death, we win. So I thank you, Lord God, for your people. I thank you. These people live in this community, Father God, and I thank you for them making a difference in this community. That people would say of Victory Life members, they have joy. That people would say of Victory Life members, they have peace. That people would say of Victory Life members, there's something about them I'm drawn to. And it's because we put you first and we sought your kingdom first. Lord, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. I'm done. <laughs> Pastor. Amen. Let's give it up a little bit more for Pastor Lee. Thankful for that. Praise God. Well, if you would, stand with me. I'm not going to add or subtract anything to 
to what we've heard this morning. It's beautiful. But I do want to speak a blessing over you as we go from here. And I want to encourage you as you leave, don't, don't leave without receiving some prayer for whatever your needs are. Find someone. Come. Pastor Lee would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Find someone that you know can believe for the needs that you're believing for as well. I just want to speak a blessing over you that the Lord this week, the Holy Spirit, would direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ and keep you firmly fixed in that steadfastness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You all be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday evening. That's it.